Hi, folks. I'm back with Becca. It's been a couple weeks since we podcasted last. My goal of doing something every week to 10 days is falling short this year. And <laughs> I'm, we're, we're doing our best, but we're both hustling around with lots of stuff going on. Beck is uh, knee-deep in school right now, correct? Oh, yeah. Really deep into school. Really didn't think through choosing a fiction writing class, but... Here I am, senior year, trying to graduate in a fiction writing class, and a math that is super advanced compared to the 99 that I was failing. That is, that sounds like two things that uh, are the far end of the spectrum of mm -hmm. using your brain, mm -hmm. and probably have you scrambling internally. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, and then we've also got, I'm in an improv class that basically is just volunteer to go be an actor in other departments' things. So, like, the marketing kids need people for commercials. Ah. So, I thought I was, you know, just going to go in, like, do some improv there. No. My professor decided I'm going to be the coordinator of all of the actors and myself be acting in it. So, I have, like, 13 kids I'm in charge of, and I have to organize all of their meetings and be at every single one at 8 a.m. A bunch of marketing kids you have to organize? Oh, no. The theater kids oh, the to meet up oh. with the marketing kids. So, you know, two groups of kids. So volunteers suddenly slid into director. Uh-huh, pretty much. But you know what? You're the type of personality, though, that like probably whoever was in charge of saying, I don't want to do this, was like mm -hmm. zeroed right in on you because you're like that, you know, yeah, let's do this. The let's scapegoat. That's what you're saying. Yeah, I'm the scapegoat. <laughs> That's fine. I'm cool with it. The scapegoat, the soft touch, the, uh, I don't know what we want to <laughs> call that. She told but... me that my grade is now just going to be responsibility. Oh. And I said, Cool. Thanks. <laughs> I think you'll do fine with that. I think you'll sure, we'll, we'll see if I remember what day what is. <laughs> well, luckily for both of us, we have been able to slam in a lot of movies and television in the <laughs> last few weeks since we uh, last did our podcast. Some things that we both liked, some things that we both didn't like so much and maybe decided that we didn't want to talk about because we couldn't find much to like about a few of the things. But we really liked the people in them. So we were like, we're going to just sit on that and, and, and let those go by. <laughs> One of the first ones is a movie that is nominated for a bunch of Oscars. Like maybe mm -hmm. the most Oscars of any movie. I'm not quite sure. Somebody else can fact check that. But The Favorite. The Favorite has Olivia Coleman. Rachel Weisz, and Emma Stone. How do you feel about any of those women? Um, let's see. This is like <laughs> a game of, what was what was the really popular, Fuck, Mary Kill is the one. Yeah. But there is no kill in this one. No. <laughs> I was going to say, let's, <laughs> let's play that, but it's going to get problematic because exactly. I've got very mixed feelings and emotions about all of the ladies. I'm going to start with someone that I did not know first was Olivia Coleman. I heard the name because she's going to be playing the second version of Queen Elizabeth in The Crown. Mm -hmm. You know, they, that's a show that I love, but they switch out the went, which I think is really smart. And maybe the first time somebody's done it as the it's such a long story of Queen Elizabeth that they um, Elizabeth II that they decided to not age the actors, but actually put in different actors and just keep the story going. Which that's I thought was kind of that's cool. a really good idea. That's something they do in soap operas that people make fun of because they're like, oh, the actor left because they wanted more money. No, it's because the show was trying to do something where the person still matches up with the age of the character because there are so many actors that need jobs. So I think it's a really cool thing that The Crown's doing that and it's such a popular mainstream like show and people aren't crapping on him for it. Right, and I was worried about it because I love Claire Foy in that so much mm -hmm. and several of the other actors, but now I'm not worried at all since I've fallen into the Olivia, Olivia Coleman world. She uh, plays Queen Anne in this movie, but I've also then since watched her in another show called Broadchurch. Do you watch Broadchurch? I've seen Broadchurch once. I, yeah. A long time ago. Yeah. there's That's the thing for me. It was around for several years, mm -hmm. and then when it popped up on Netflix, I was like, you know, and I do like a British show, but I was like, this looks a little dour and a little sad for me. I don't know. I'm probably very involved and with my viewing habits. Sometimes I have to, to pick things like that and watch them outside of working in my day. But um, after I saw The Favorite with her in it, <laughs> I said, oh, wait a minute. She's in Broadchurch. And one of my really good friends uh, said, oh, you, you need to watch Broadchurch. You're going to be all about it. So Stacy and I watched. And we watched the first season of eight episodes in a night and the following morning burned through it <laughs> and, and their hour i episodes. didn't know that it was on yeah. netflix 
Yeah, it's on Netflix. Great. All three, <laughs> all three seasons. Yeah. This was going to be a text from me to you saying, hey, get on Broadchurch. Because and it's... Yeah, yeah, I'll watch that next. I've got... Yeah. Right now I'm watching the assassination of Giovanni... Gianni? Giovanni? Gianni Versace? Yes. Yeah. Why can I never say that name? It doesn't come out right. I just tell him Johnny Boy. I don't... I've always done that. There's too many jizz and vuzz in there. I agree, but that's what yeah. I'm hooked on watching right now. So right after that, we'll go to Broadchurch. I'm exactly the opposite. I started the, to do that, and then we fell into that one, and I said, I'm, I'm going to finish this Broadchurch, and <laughs> I didn't go back. So um, anyway, Broadchurch, I highly recommend it. Like I said, we watched the first um, ep- season in an evening and the next morning, and then said we were going to leave it alone and come back to the second season, and we didn't. We watched it over the next <laughs> couple of days, and then the following weekend, this past weekend, we finished the third one. So we slammed three seasons of eight episodes into a week's time. And at our house, if Stacy's involved, that is a record because yeah. she she can generally, you know, she goes out of the house to work, so she has a life outside of home. I was just thinking that when you were saying that, I was like, wow, you you both watched it. I don't know the last time that me and Tiffany fully watched a whole show together. Like she'll mm-hmm. see what I'm watching and watch like an episode with me, but she has no clue what's actually going on. But she'll listen mm-hmm. to me rant about it. Right. <laughs> she doesn't right, have yeah. time for TV shows, so. And that's kind of the way Stacy was, but she's recently started a new job and has more time now, and I'm really happy about that. And and she's embracing her love of television, which she <laughs> had to shelf for a while. So back to the favorite. Um, I got off on that Olivia Coleman tangent, and I think if any of you guys watch the favorite and then watch Broadchurch, you're going to get on that tangent too. There's just something about it. There are those actresses that you just they have like that it factor, and you there's something about them that you're like, I want to like go to dinner with this person and <laughs> chat with them. I want to watch TV with them. I want to hang out with this person. That is, that's what she has become for me. I'm a little bit obsessed and I'm not the least bit embarrassed to say it. So the favorite um, is, let me read the synopsis off of this because it's a little bit involved and people, I think when they look at it and see that it is a period piece, maybe are a little turned off, but it says in the early 18th century, England is at war with the French. Nevertheless, duck racing and pineapple eating are thriving. A frail Queen Anne occupies the throne, and her close friend Lady Sarah governs the country in her stead while tending to Anne's ill health and mercurial temper. When a new servant, Abigail, arrives, her charm endears her to Sarah. Sarah takes Abigail under her wing, and Abigail sees a chance to return to her aristocratic roots. So there's a lot of stuff going on there, but when I look at that, what I see is three-lady love triangle. I agree with that. I also see the name Abigail and think of every terrible abigail there's ever been like it brings me back to the crucible oh yeah because think about it the the instigator is usually an abigail was the instigator in this movie not an abigail yeah and the non-instigators are abbies exactly down exactly they don't want you to know (laughs) they don't want you to know they're an abigail okay so i love period pieces so i was in for this and then when i saw that it was kind of a dark comedy on top of that it's another thing that i'm in for then you throw in Rachel Weiss, and I don't <laughs> care what she's in. I'm going to watch it. Yeah. After, especially after last year's turn with Disobedience. Mm-hmm. And then you, you go back to The Mummy and The Mummy 2, and then just like everything else. Mm-hmm. It's like she's also one of those people that you just want to watch. Now, we've talked before that I'm, I'm on the fence about Emma Stone. Sometimes yes. I love her, and sometimes I hate her. And in this one, I fell on the side of not liking her but I think that's basically because she did such a good job as this character not a likable character she came in and basically busted up what I feel like was a nice little cozy relationship that <laughs> Queen Anne and Lady Sarah had and I dove in and did some Wikipedia research on my own to see what the real story of the two women were I feel like that they I don't want to spoil this for people who haven't watched it mm-hmm. but I feel like there was a real relationship going on between those two women from the time I didn't you know you didn't get this from the movie but they in real life had been in each other's lives since they were very 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 young Mm -hmm. so we're seeing them after they've been together as friends and uh, comrades and confidants and lovers for many 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 years and then a new person comes in and and busts things up so if anyone likes a you know a dark comedy kind of a a little bit of political maneuvering in it um, reminded me of like Dangerous Liaisons a little bit. Yeah, with that's, Glenn that's Close. right. Yep. Yep. It's up that alley. I highly, highly recommend it. It's my favorite movie from last year. I hope that it just cleans up at the Oscars for everything that it can. But I don't know. It's a tough year. Oscars is 
it doesn't seem like there's a lot of great movies, but there are a lot of popular movies. That's usually the trouble with the Oscars. Especially since they started expanding it to above five movies mm-hmm. in in the best picture. And, you know, I understand that they want to stay relevant and they want to bring in movies that people are going to actually see. There are many years, because we've had an Oscar party in our house for going on 28 years every year, except for a couple when there's something interrupted. It. Mm-hmm. But, you know, all friends come over and gather. We have tons of food. We have a you know, prizes, and it's a, it's a pretty cutthroat battle over Sounds here. Sounds pretty great. We don't have any of that stuff. We're never home to see these things. Oh, we have printed ballots for everyone. You have to arrive before the show starts and fill out your ballot. You cannot bring research material, magazines, other people's picks. That's from, awesome. Yeah, social media in. You have to make your picks, put them down, and we make a little prize pack for everybody every year, and it's usually like a one of those popcorn basket things, movie theater candy, and we put in some either like Blu-rays, DVDs, or something like big collections of movies, stuff like that. Yeah. But really, it's... That's a that's a prize, but the prize is everybody wants to write their name on the trophy each year. Yep. And it, it gets <laughs> and we've got one friend, this fellow named Tony. I don't know how he does it, but he's won like ninety percent of the time. That's awesome. He's just really good at knowing what people like. Exactly. I think he's good at, at an educated guess. I mean, he does his research before he comes in, but you mm-hmm. know, sometimes you can't tell with things like that. And no. It's it's just you know. Uh, but now we've all got a, a mob mentality against. Anybody but Tony, please win <laughs> this this show. So maybe sometime you'll have to venture up here for uh, for the I'll Oscar have party. to. I'll have to see what's going on about that. <laughs> oh, so you you did like the favorite? I did really. I liked the favorite. Um, there were a couple things that I had to take it out of the mindset of this movie is a representation of the past, and yes, it's like partially a period piece but it's also not because it's also like a comedy and the language was very very modern and that Mm -hmm. kept kind of taking me out of it because you know theater brain you're thinking like you know period piece but Mm -hmm. then Emma Stone's running down the hallway yelling fuck and I'm like that's not they would not say that but then I'm like wait that's not what this is about right and I think that's what I liked about it I think that's what other it can draw other people in is that it isn't it isn't like a a sense and sensibility, which is also great, and I love it, but it's not that type of, you know, very polite, um, very um, caste system, hierarchical yes. kind of society thing. We're seeing, like, when they bring the Shakespeare plays and modernize them, such as uh, Romeo and Juliet. and It's difficult, it, n- yeah. N- yeah, not to that extreme that in this movie, but it, it is. it makes it seem like you can really invest in it and be involved in it without having to you know, think of it as like a PBS production or something like that. So, I really liked that one. You should also talk about the fact that Nicholas Holt is in it as well. Yes. And let he's, everybody know who that is. Uh, he's been in a lot of things that, um, specifically a lot of British shows. He was uh, in Skins for a long time. Mm-hmm. He played, I think his name was Tony. And then uh, he was also in Warm Bodies. He has been in the X-Men movies as the Beast. He's in a lot of movies that are very popular, and I, from a young age, really liked him. Like, I think he's a really talented person, and I think it's because I loved Skin so much. Yeah, he's actually just very likable. Um, yeah. In, uh, that Warm Bodies movie is one that surprised me. The trailers for it looked like it could be really bad. And that was then, the point of it. That, that's how the whole book's yeah. written, too. Like, I read oh, okay. the book when I was younger, and it's written like a bad rom-com, and that's the best part mm-hmm. of it. So yeah, but I I very much enjoyed that movie. <laughs> yeah, and he was a nice a foil for all of the women in the movie. Mm-hmm. Kind of fell in league with some of them, and then manipulated some of them, and then got manipulated by some of them. So it was pretty interesting. Exactly. Are there any other movies that you and I have both watched recently that we have uh, discussed or want to recommend? Or I don't still say steer people away from. We've already discussed one that we're not going to come exactly. back to. Exactly. Have we uh, have we talked about Cameron Post? We have not. I watched that. I watched that. I finally got around to watching that. I I think that's my favorite movie for this past year. I loved that movie so much because it was it, it was really good. It was really good. I've watched it twice because I watched it mm-hmm. the first time and then I felt like I needed to sit back with it and revisit it again because it's pretty low-fi, low-budget, independent film feeling. And sometimes... Uh, 
I want to go back into those and really pay attention. But what did you like about it? And, and tell and tell everybody what it is because some people it was really it didn't get picked up for distribution uh, at the festivals, and I think it would have been a movie that was nominated and recognized more had it been. But something something happened with it. I'm not sure on the industry inside part of that what happened. But tell everybody about miseducation of Cameron Post. So that's the name of it. It's got Chloe Grace Moritz in it, and the the main important part is it's about um these chi- like not children but teenagers dealing with their sexuality and being sent to a conversion camp basically and um instead of saying you know they're gay so we got to fix this they say how do you deal with your same sex attraction or what caused your same sex attraction and i think that it's a really important movie when it comes to um you know the religious side of things and also like how people are treating uh, gay people as if there is something actually like to cause them to be gay and I think that it was really good about here is this problem that we are seeing that people still say these things and you could kind of laugh about it because you're like man that's funny that we still see this today because it is set in um is it set in like the 70s 70s or 80s it's set... no it's the 90s is it it's the, 90s? the early 90s is what I got out of it yeah. okay Either way, <laughs> um, yeah. it's set a little bit further back, but it's funny because, you know, for queer people that are watching it, they can see, ha, 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 see that stereotype. It's kind of funny, but it's also really sad because there's something to it. There was something mm-hmm. about it that the first time I watched it, I kept laughing very uneasily about mm-hmm. so many different things. Like the first time that they're in like a group therapy session and Chloe Grace Moritz, um, who plays Cameron, obviously, um, she's sitting in the group and somebody calls her a dyke and she straight up just busts out laughing. And that <laughs> yeah. was like my reaction to the whole film. I was like, oh God. Yeah. And it's because you feel something, some kind of terror in yourself. Like, wow, I've gone through this. Exactly. And also, I felt really identified with her character. Yes. Like, it really puts you in that, um, you know, she is discovered, kind of outed at the high school dance because she's gone with, well, you think that boy was her boyfriend or just somebody that... I think it was her boyfriend. I think it was okay. her boyfriend. So she she's at the dance, but it's obvious that she does not want to be there with him. Uh-huh. There is a the, the other couple that goes with them. There's a girl and... They're dancing, and, you know, I love that. Anything with a prom scene in it, for yep. some reason, I really like. And, and I liked that when it brought back memories. <laughs> but she was she was dancing with the girl, and then... Now, the girl is the one who leads her out of the party. The girl is the one that, like, pursued this whole thing happening. And then yes. she instantly was just like, well, I'm not gay. And, like, yeah. said that Cameron was the one that did all of this. Yeah. So they were discovered in the backseat of the car by Cameron's boyfriend um, in, in the middle of some heated action going on (laughs) which the other girl is the one that initiated she's the one yeah and she's like i want to try something and it's just like okay you know and then immediately is has that reaction which i'm laughing about it right now while i'm talking about it but it's not a nice reaction It's because it's scarring that's why you have to laugh because we've all had a moment like that where it's just like ah Ah. (laughs) (laughs) so she instantly turns around like doesn't want to be seen and cameron's like you know, she knows she's busted, but she's facing up to it. But then what happens is her, uh, it's the mother, right? Her, Not like it's her older sister. Si- sister. Her okay. older sister. I, cu- I couldn't tell, mother or sister. Um, ends up deciding that they're going to ship her off to the religious gay conversion camp. And it's, like we, we keep saying, like it, it, there are parts of it that feel like a comedy, but I almost just feel like that's because, like I said, we've been there, we know those things. I've never been to a gay conversion camp, but I can imagine being someone... We, we get that Cameron isn't... Like, when she gets there, she's not... She doesn't think there's anything wrong with her. She also doesn't really... Like, hasn't figured out that she's really gay. Like, she yeah. she hasn't even ever faced that for herself. The first right. time that guy calls her a dyke is, like, the first time that she's ever been like, yeah, that's me. Like, that's yeah. the, the first time that she's really realizing that and, like, yeah. why people even sent her there. Did you pick up that... Um, it wasn't her sister that actually wanted her to go. It was the parents of the girl, yes, her friend. Yes, so yes. it wasn't even really her sister's choice. She was just doing it to save their family's name in the town mm-hmm. because they were already mm-hmm. the orphans whose parents died. And Cameron very much got railroaded into going mm-hmm. based on her sister's fears. And I think that Cameron would have just stayed there and figured out what was going on with her life. But instead, she got to do that at the gay conversion <laughs> therapy <laughs> camp, um, which... 
there's all kinds of little this movie drops in a few little dream sequence or like altered like daydreaming reality yeah. things that really kind of caught me but w- the biggest thing about this movie for me is that I was not a Chloe Grace Moretz fan before this oh I was <laughs> I liked her in the clouds of Sils Maria with uh Kristen Stewart mm-hmm. she had a very small part in that movie which is a little kind of art house film but it's really great and if you're a fan of Kristen Stewart I recommend it too it's probably on all kinds of streams. Very good movie. Very confusing, though. So just pay attention. <laughs> right, right. But she, I, that's the first time where I was ever like, wait a minute, this girl can act. And I, she's not annoying me with like her speaking and her mannerisms and just her general way of being. I, the uh, What's the superhero movie she's in? Um, uh, the fourth, not the fourth kind. Oh, God, what is it called? kick-ass oh she was in kick-ass yeah yeah. i'm thinking of the one where it's like doomsday the is it the wave the fifth wave or something yeah i didn't see that see i didn't see that because i was not a huge fan of hers i've always liked her so i watched like all of her movies (laughs) yeah um she won me over with this movie for sure because uh, number one i don't know she just inhabited this like kind of butch soft athletic sporty dykeness yep <laughs> that she really just was in it and i think that that's something that we don't see a lot in movies especially with young people we're either cast young lesbians either cast as the outsiders the weirdos the geeks the nerds and she's a little bit of an outsider but at the same time she's very confident she's and i don't know if that's because she hadn't really identified herself that way and mm-hmm. she was just moving through her school and through her life in in one way but just something about the way she inhabited the role that i liked and i also really like that she in her own life then started to speak out about why are we you know like casting all these casting issues that are going on mm-hmm. with queer roles right now she had some opinions on that mm-hmm. i'm not going to i don't want to misspeak what she said but if anyone wants to look them up she had plenty of interviews around the time of this and she could she could look those up or you can look those up that she gave. So, I don't know. I, I love this movie. I like that we had uh I don't know, spoil again, but we got a kind of a hopeful ending. I liked uh, that it wasn't like a set in stone sealed ending. Mm-hmm. I liked that because, like, it did give you hope and it gave you, like, you can see what could happen and you are left to imagine it yourself because that's what life is. You don't know where yeah. it's going to go and I liked that about the ending. Yeah, when it's characters that aren't real people it's not based on a true story or something mm-hmm. i like when we get to imagine our own you know make your own adventure for what's <laughs> going to happen to to cameron and the two friends that she makes and forms her you know little click group at the camp we don't know what's going to happen to them but it's still it feels hopeful and there hasn't been a lot of that i also appreciated the way that they brought in uh the fact that the other girl that i can't remember her name uh that she was an amputee i really yes. enjoyed that the way that they it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't, like, her big fault. It wasn't something that made her worse or, like, people took pity on her. Like, it was just a thing. And I really loved that because too often we see movies where disabilities are, like, the hook of the movie. On the gay conversion therapy front, we watched another movie here at the house, uh, Boy Erased. Did you watch it? I have not seen it yet. I have not been able to find it yet, but I really would like to watch it. It is... A good movie, and I feel like that folks should watch it. It's the true story of a, 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 a gay man who ended up writing a book about his experience at a Christian uh, conversion camp that he was placed in by his family. It's got Nicole Kidman in it, Russell Crowe, mm-hmm. they're the parents, and for the life of me, I cannot remember the name of the boy who, who plays it, but he was also in Manchester by the Sea. Uh, Lucas Hedges, I think, is yep. his name. Very, very talented young actor. And it I did not have a religious upbringing. My grandparents, you know, went to church with them when I was younger and things, but I, we were not a religious family. But I watched this, and I have friends who were raised up in very, very religious ways and who are now um, out homosexuals. <laughs> and um, we've discussed, you know, the things that have been ingrained in them because of that. And I always, like, feel so bad and then I saw this movie and I immediately contacted that with the one friend and said I don't think you need to watch this it's very triggering I am one of those people okay it's very <laughs> triggering and yeah if I'm gonna start bursting out crying in the middle of a movie 
that number one speaks to how good the movie was. Number two, <laughs> not having had that experience tells you how horrible what goes on in this movie is. So trigger warning for <laughs> you, Becca, and everyone else. <laughs> I, I think people should watch it. I especially think families should watch it. I think that anyone that's struggled with overcoming a oppressive Christian upbringing can get something out of it but mm. be prepared for like almost a therapy session it is also nominated for some awards but you know i don't think that it got like when i saw the trailer for it me and a few of my friends were like okay we, we're going to see this because we're already mm. crying in the trailer we definitely see it but I, I don't think it's gotten a lot of the recognition because it is really dark it wasn't put out as widely as well like it really wasn't mm. i i mean that's why i still don't haven't had access to it um but no i i drew up in private schools, like private mm-hmm. Christian schools, um, until eighth grade, and you know, uh, going to church every Sunday. Uh, my grandma is, you know, the secretary and treasurer of the church committee up in Ohio, and like, mm-hmm. it's always been a thing. And like, even with Tiffany, her family is very, very Baptist, like Southern Baptist, and mm-hmm. that's how she was raised, and that's how everything is. And so, uh, especially people that live in the South, like you grow up in those upbringings and it's always going to be there in the back of your mind as to like who you are as a person and then how you like were brought up. And so Mm -hmm. I have seen some short films though that also kind of tackle that. And, um, it is, it is triggering in a way, but it's also kind of freeing in a way to cathartic. Yeah. Almost cathartic. Yes. Just to be able to watch and like see that you're not the only person that struggled through that and how, difficult it is and like to be able to like every time you relive something like that by seeing it it kind of reaffirms who you are as a person like Mm -hmm. that's just how it is this film also did the thing that is hard to get down in an hour and a half or hour 40 minutes or whatever Mm -hmm. it let you see the other side the parents side Mm -hmm. and not think of them as horrible people or hate mongers Mm -hmm. it let you really get inside what drives them as parents and the fears that they had as parents for their child and how you can sometimes be wrong and you can realize it. So I guess it did have more of a hopeful ending than I thought looking back on it. And I know that probably not a lot of people that are listening have watched it yet. This thing will hit an HBO or Showtime or something. It'll become a one that they put on cable because Nicole Kidman sure. and Russell Crowe being yeah. there. So that'll be something if it doesn't even get on like Amazon Prime or something before that. So everybody I feel like watch it but I wish I had had a little more warning when I win how <laughs> upsetting it was going to be to me and I don't have that background so I can't say enough like hey be prepared but mm-hmm. if you're interested in this and you like you said if you want to also have a cathartic kind of experience I think that you can you can get it from this now you mm-hmm. mentioned uh growing up going to was it a private school I went to private schools uh two different ones um, one was a private Presbyterian school, and one was a private non-denominational Assembly of God. Well, that's going to roll us right into something that I know we both have enjoyed greatly, which is the Netflix show Dairy Girls. Okay. I was like, where are you going with this? Ooh, I don't need to get back there right now. It's been a long day. <laughs> no, see, I've got segues. I'm looking for those segues, and you just led me right there, and you didn't even know it. All right, got it. I you just recently you just finished Dairy Girls. I watched it's it been last a little, night. Yo, you're fresh. See, mm-hmm. that's where I was going because it's been a couple weeks since I watched it because I watched it in a night. Uh-huh. I liked it so much that I just they're 30 minute episodes on Netflix called Dairy Girls. It's based around um, the town of Dairy, England. Some girls that go to a private, uh, I guess, a Catholic school there. Is it Dairy, um, England? I thought it was Dairy, that, Scotland. Well, she says she calls it dairy, dairy, and then she said or dairy England if you're something something in the beginning. So maybe I it's thought Scotland. they were Scottish. You would think so because they make fun of the one boy for being English through the whole thing. I would but, say that they're Scottish because that's a Scottish dialect they use. Yeah, I mean, well, okay, that's all mi- mixed and jumbled up for me over there. There, I have to pull out a map anyway to figure. Uh, out. That is totally true. I'm worried oh. about going over there. I don't know where I'm gonna be. <laughs> <laughs> so I was. I had a few people on Twitter who just kept talking about it and I put it on and I was trying to watch it while I was working on some client work or something and that accent and the thickness of it and the speed with which they speak (laughs) I knew five minutes in I'm gonna love this show because they're already like hilarious 
but I can't understand a damn word they are saying unless I'm looking right at it. So <laughs> I made it my nighttime watch show when I wasn't working. And like I said, I just burned right through it. Did you? I had no obviously, issue. I had no yeah. issue with it. Here's the big issue that I have with watching shows with uh, like dialects or any kind of accent. I then, when I'm speaking, start to slip into it in a way. Like, in my yeah. own Americanized version of it, and I don't even realize I'm doing it. And it happens I, so often. I did that with Broadchurch. Stacey stopped <laughs> me at one point because I called something, I said, let's, you know, the bits of something. I used the word bits, and she was like, okay, you've been watching too much Broadchurch. Oh, God, I do that stuff all the time. And Tiffany will call me out and be like, what are you, what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know. But no, I had no problem with picking up on what they were saying, because I've watched a lot of, like, foreign shows. That's something mm -hmm. that I like to do. But... There was something about the quick wit, and, like, also, if you didn't understand their references, then you weren't going to think it was funny. No. And there was a lot of it because I've watched so many shows over there, like, of that type. I was like, mm -hmm. oh, that's really good. Like, that's really funny. Now, I didn't look up any of the girls to see what else they had been Neither in. Neither did but I. I feel like they're all so young that they're probably fairly newcomers, but you cannot tell it from the way they are on the show. Mm -hmm. Their timing, the comedic timing, especially with the one kind of uh, raucous, rowdy, bad girlfriend, Michelle. Michelle. Her comedic timing, and even in such a thick accent, it comes through so well. All of them, really. And the little friend, the little worried friend, what is her name? I uh, don't know. The one that... <laughs> the, uh... It starts with a C. There's, there's always the, f and, and that's the thing about it that I liked. It's set at a girls' school, which I don't know where I went wrong that I didn't get sent to a girls' school when I was younger. Because you because weren't super religious. Because it's yeah, a religious true. school. If I'd have known that, I'd taken up the Bible much earlier. <laughs> taken up the Bible, like it's just like you know, I'm gonna take up Spanish next week. I'll take up the Bible. You know, it's fine. <laughs> if it would have gotten me into an all girls school, I would have taken that shit up like nobody's business. I wish mine had been all girls school. It was not. Oh yeah, I don't want to go to the co-ed. Like, yeah, no, they're not fun. It's not for me. No, no I want to be in this school or the one in um oh the Piper Parabo movie um. Where she jumps off the building. Oh, God. Um, oh, why can't I think of the name of that? I've seen it like six <laughs> times. This is a sign of how tired and exhausted both of us are. We can't think of the names of these things that are near and dear to us. I mean, I was going to look up the name of... Uh, it's Claire, by the way. The, the, the smaller, short girl. And now we got to look up an all girl... Oh, God. Why can't we remember that? I don't know, but a Piper Parabo movie, she's an all-girls school. It's fantastic. You guys should check that mm -hmm. one out. If we find the name, we'll come back to it. Yeah, if I had a, it's set in the all-girls school, and it's just, they, you know, you can watch movies about coming-of-age teen movies, and there's always, like, the stereotypical girls. And they do have the, you know, like, the group of friends. Like, there's going to be, like, the one that thinks she's a little better than everybody else is, like, the, True. you know, you could almost, you could almost mean girls out these girls a little bit mm -hmm. um there's there's that group of friends and they all fit it in real well but it's not um it's not bad it's not uh overused it isn't boring it isn't like oh i've seen this all before i think because of the scottish setting mm -hmm. and the comedic timing of this and the writing the writing is really well it's just rapid fire if you're a fan of like gilmore girls yeah um, 30 Rock, things like that, where it's just like one-liners and references and kind of dark jabbing cuts at your friends. That's the kind of what's going on in this. Plus, they just go on so many adventures and so many things happen to them. That's the best part is that you never know what you're going to get with each episode. Is like, I had no clue the trouble they would get in in each episode and how they would wrap it up and it'd be all screwed up by the end of the episode because I caught on very quickly. No matter what they did, it was going to be screwed up. Also, I found the movie title. Lost and Delirious. Lost and Delirious. Like, why could we not? I don't know. All I could think of was the bird, like, flying away. <laughs> <laughs> that is a true lesbian classic. And oh, yeah. I think of the name of it. We're exactly. Take our cards away. <laughs> That's fine. Look, I'll get it back one day. <laughs> and maybe you'll get a second toaster when you get your card. There back. we go. <laughs> I can't recommend Dairy Girls enough. Quick watch just some of the craziness that happens on there the stuff that they do also the um what do you call like the head nun of the school is there a name for that um 
I don't know. I kept wanting to say headmistress. I don't think that's right. I don't think that's right either. I don't know what that is, but it sounds like a great name. <laughs> she has obviously like been around too long, had too many of these <laughs> kinds of girls and their shenanigans. She's having none of it. None of it? None of it. Yeah, see what I did? <laughs> I didn't even know I was doing it. <laughs> if this was a U.S.-based show, you know that like Rosie O'Donnell would be playing this role. Oh my God, you're right. <laughs> it would be perfect casting Or Whoopi. What do you mean? Whoopi's always a nun for some reason. They make Whoopi a nun constantly. Yeah, but I don't think that Whoopi could carry off this kind of just odd, indifferent... True. That indifference that this nun is having for these girls and all their sh- uh, shenanigans and hijinks. How many times have I said shenanigans and hijinks? Like, I don't know, but now? I mean, we should have kept a count. That could be a drinking game. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could watch Dairy Girls and then drink every time they have a shenanigan or get into hijinks. Or anytime you don't understand a word. Yeah, that for me, I would be really drunk. Alcohol poisoning? Here we go. <laughs> okay, so Dairy Girls, we're definitely going to recommend that. Did you watch on Netflix also Bad edu- uh, Sex Education? I have not watched it yet. Okay, I'm going to put that on your list for okay. you. I'm just giving you giving you homework here. That's fine. I'm good with homework. Let's talk about that one next time because I'm going to do a rewatch of it. I liked it so much. Okay. And I didn't think that I would it, from the way it was marketed. I didn't think i was gonna like actually care that much about it and got in within the second episode i was i sailed right through that one too so let's come back to sex education so if if people want to listen to us talk that next week and know what we're talking about maybe Mm -hmm. you can squeeze that one into um what else have you watched that you're totally in love with um i watched russian doll i watched russian doll this is very good did you like groundhog's day like the original movie yeah, I won't turn it off if it's on if it's on the cable TV movie stuff. I'll I'll watch it. Uh, I love Bill Murray and yep. those '80s shows, movies like that. Or that's my time. So I it's built into me to like most of that stuff. So like you know, if you like Groundhog's Day and or if you don't, you should watch Russian Doll because it's a great twist on it. And it also made me think about um, Happy Death Day. Death Day. I don't think I saw that. It's the one where the girl is going to college, and it's, like, her birthday, and she gets killed and has to get, like, okay. So that's basically, like, Russian Doll. Let's back up and say that Russian Doll is from Amy Poehler, mm-hmm. and it stars Natasha Lyonne, and is there anyone else of note that is in it that we should mention? Um, uh, who plays, the girl that plays Daya in Orange is New Black is in it. Oh, yep, yep, she has a role in this. It's, I love Natasha Lyonne. I'll look at anything that she's been in. <laughs> There's something also about her. It's just one of those people that's like, you know, she, she's probably ridiculously intelligent. She's grown up in the industry. She's been in all kinds of projects. There's something so watchable about her. And then when I hear and or read and saw that this was like kind of her brainchild with Amy Poehler, mm-hmm. I was like, we're probably going to get something pretty good here. And we also had a pop-up of Chloe Seventy. Yes. Savanya? Yes. Savan, I can't Savan- say it. Sa- Chloe. She's just Chloe. Yeah, we'll just, you know, old Chloe. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> but it, it is an interesting take on the Groundhog's Day kind of thing. Basically, I won't ruin it because you're going to find this out at the beginning of the first, towards the be- middle of the first episode. Um, Natasha Leone gets killed in every episode, dies in every episode, wakes up back at the same party that she dies at. And she has various reasons that she thinks this is happening and we're kind of along for the ride with her to figure out how she can get out of this endless loop and where it differs from Groundhog's Groundhog Day is that we're at, we're going so much deeper than the movie did because mm-hmm. we've got eight I guess it was eight episodes yes. to go through this it wasn't just like a let's just keep going through you know the 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 comedy in this isn't in the repetition which is mm-hmm. how Groundhog's Day was it's more in her performance and us trying to figure out what they're trying to do with this show. I really liked that they had, um, you know, like you said, the comedy was not in the repetition. It was more in her interactions with people. Yes. And, like, what was going on in the show. That was the funny part. But I liked that somewhere towards, like, the end of the fourth, beginning of the fifth episode, it started to get this, like, slightly creepy factor. And it started mm-hmm. getting a little bit darker and darker and darker as it got to the end. And I really yeah. liked the way that they did that because it was really smart because they'll draw you in with the haha, look at this like crazy thing that's happening. But then they really hit you with like the deep, dark stuff that you don't really get with a lot of movies nowadays. They're very surface. 
So, like, yeah. this was great. The deaths were very comedic in yes. the beginning, down to pratfalls and, you know, cell phones flying in the air when someone falls in a hole mm-hmm. and those kind of just things. And then all of a sudden, bam, they they shifted it on you. And mm-hmm. we also see another story we discovered that she isn't the only person this is happening to. Everyone in it is really good. It was so good. <laughs> the thing that, one of the things that stands out for me also in it is the music. Mm-hmm. I was just like... Okay, we can't. We know that it's a modern day type thing, but the the soundtrack is all over from all genres and all times, and all countries as well. Yes, and it if you pay attention, it's very thematic. It isn't just putting on a party song because they're at a party, or a thoughtful, slow, cool song because they're walking through the park or whatever. They're all somehow kind of intertwined to the feelings that are going on. I didn't look up who did the music on this, but I'm gonna look look up out of curiosity and see what else they've done but I've already been listening to the playlist on Spotify from this show and loving all of it and the fact that we get to hear a Harry Nilsson song in every episode <laughs> exactly is great and it's the perfect song like, I bet somebody had so much fun like picking out this music for this I'm sure they- sound designers love stuff like that and especially when it's a uh, creative piece like this where they get to just you know try things and right. it really really worked so you notice the music because you're a very much a music person. Mm-hmm. I noticed a lot of the lighting because I live with Tiffany, who is like a lighting designer. She's also a right. sound designer, but I see a lot more of her work. And I loved the way they used lighting to change moods and atmospheres of the actual places they were in. Mm-hmm. I loved that. And I loved that as the show went along and as the episodes went along, you could actually, if you sit back and you watch it from afar, you could see the actual tone of the whole show shift slightly. Right. And I loved that so much, especially in the, you know, in the trailer, you see the bathroom door. I loved, if you really pay attention to that bathroom, each time she goes into it, the lighting changes. Slightly. Oh. Very see, little. The blue of the door gets a little brighter, and the actual, like, white, like, yellow wash of the other lights start to get a little dimmer. Well, I already knew that I was going to rewatch it, but hearing the stuff that you're now pulling up, because I knew that I was like not getting everything. It's a yeah. very multi-layered show. They really thought a lot about it. Everyone in every aspect of it seems had a mission that they were trying to get across. Mm-hmm. So I know that I'm going to rewatch it. And somebody on one of my social feeds was commenting on it and said, you know, I've kind of stopped trying to figure out what's going on. And I'm just like comfortably living in this show. Yes. Like, it's like, a, I feel like I'm a companion. I'm on for the ride here. And that's, I want to watch it again. I'm probably going to pull Stacy in to try to watch <laughs> it and, and watch it away from work and just sit on the couch and like immerse myself in it. And I think I'll be able to notice even more of that stuff. So we're both giving that a big thumbs up yes. recommendation for sure. Another thing that I watched, um, Velvet Buzzsaw, you said you haven't watched it and you're unsure if you're going to. The thing that I have to say about that is, you know, as like I keep saying, theater kid, I do... I have a lot of hands in different pots and stuff when it comes to theater stuff, and this is a movie that really incorporates different arts in a way that I didn't really foresee when it first, like, was the trailer, like, the trailer was very misinformed, because, you know, you think it'll just be an art movie, so -hmm. you're expecting really pretty, like, visuals and, like, trippy stuff, and, you know, it has the name Velvet Buzzsaw, so you know something is gonna happen. Right. Well, it also incorporates so much to do with the sound the sound was a bigger element for me than the actual visuals of it and there are parts where like the art is melting and like changing the picture that you're seeing which is really cool let me just ask because it's on Netflix yes and I've watched the trailer but I don't know this is there gay stuff in it there is slightly iffy Jake Gyllenhaal his character doesn't actually have a label on his sexuality and is with a man for a good bit of the movie but also is in love with an art curator that is a woman but the ex-boyfriend still wants him so there is that okay so that is something that is intriguing because you don't really get a full grasp of who jake gyllenhaal's character is even by the end of the movie you can't fully understand him that is like it's a really complex type of movie and they don't just lay out, here's your character role. They, like, have tons of layers within it. And I think that it's a really good movie just for story-wise. There are so many things going on, 
but like the visuals of the art and like the visuals of the movie with the art and the sound all come together and make this huge story that really really works together and it it is creepy but not really well i haven't (laughs) seen many people posting about it i know that when it came up for the trailers and things people were interested but then i haven't heard much about it other than getting your take on it i mean i liked it I may go in, but that's it's just something about it just not drawing me in. And I don't know why, because Jake Gyllenhaal made a movie um, a few years ago with Rene Russo, who's also mm-hmm. in this, called Nightcrawler. I liked that movie. It's from the same creators. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Because I loved Nightcrawler. I thought that was a sleeper movie that did not get enough attention. It was attention. very good. I think it won an Independent Spirit Award for mm-hmm. like, I think that was the guy's first feature or something. Maybe mm-hmm. it won for... But if he's the creator, then it maybe it'll it'll pull me in. It's just one of those that I'm like, I gotta find the time. I know I'll have to pay attention to it, so I can't really work and watch it. But I'm I'm interested in. It. I like Jake Gyllenhaal generally, even though he's made yeah. some real like movies that I feel like were just like aimless and out Throw there. And I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like remember that movie he made with um, I think it was Anne Hathaway. Yes, where, I've seen it. Love and other drugs. Yes, was that what I've it was seen called? it. I still don't know what the hell that was point of that movie. There was no point. You know, they a lot of gratified sex scenes, that's about it. And Anne Hathaway, so I watched it because of Anne Hathaway, but I mean I really yeah. like Jake Gyllenhaal too. I have recently watched uh Stronger, uh with Tatiana Maslani. Mm-hmm. The Boston Bombing good? movie. It was very good. It was very sad and I was triggered because it goes through the entire process of what it's like to lose, you know, your legs or mm-hmm. in my case, what my, it was like for my mom to lose a leg. You watch the mm-hmm. entire process over again if you're a person that's already seen something like that. They mm-hmm. show where the stump is being made. They show the stump socks. They show trying to get people standing back up. They show, um, like, what it's like for that person to deal with not having that part anymore and feeling that they do. I would say that it there was something about the chemistry between Tatiana Maslany and Jake Gyllenhaal that really worked because they were both these, like, big, powerful, like, characters that were also powerless and it was great well i am interested in that because of tachana maslani i yeah. want to see her in something besides orphan black mm-hmm. you know i want to see what else there is with her because she's an orphan black i don't think we've ever talked about orphan black on here oh but god we should we could do a series tour de force performance from her uh, we should definitely, like, when we talk about our favorite, maybe do a, an episode about our favorite shows or something. Okay. And that one we get thrown in because I could talk about those clones forever. Yeah, I could too. <laughs> Who's your favorite clone? Just for a my, short talk about it. but My favorite clone is uh, Helena. 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 Yeah, I like um, Crystal. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's kind of great. I I loved of, who she was as a person. Like, yeah, just, yeah, exactly. And how she just gets dumped into this, but she—it's yep. like not the least bit of a care to her. She's just being her her. She self. just wants to live her life, man. Like that's it. Like just back <laughs> off. No, she doesn't want to know she's a clone. Exactly. Oh God, it's such a good show. Okay, right, well, we'll get off we'll... get off track with that. One. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's let's pull this around a little bit to um some well I always call it like Twitter news, but conventions. Uh, you and I met at a convention at Clexicon, and that's coming up, but you're not going to be able to go this year because you're doing your London, England excursion. Yeah, I'm going to go study and be sad in another country. <laughs> but now you have some hope because you can possibly go to a convention in the fall. They have announced the CarmillaCon, which everyone that has listened so far has heard us bring up Carmilla probably on every episode. It's the uh, YouTube web series that uh, Becca and I like probably above any other web series <laughs> it's I would the YouTube think. web series that started it all <laughs> yes <laughs> so finally you know there have been conventions centered around uh, multi-fandoms several of those mm-hmm. and then there's been a lot of the uh, Winona Earp centric conventions mm-hmm. uh, many of those some people are saying too many I, I read the other day that it's getting out of control you know the, the Earp, Earp conventions the Earp Expo they're having in New Orleans I planned to go it's the week I leave for London. Uh, and Michael Eklund will be there, and I love him. Bobo's my mm-hmm. favorite, and it's the only time I've seen him at one of these things, like, mm-hmm. near me, and I'll be in London. So London's killing off all your con game. Slightly killing my dreams. It's fine. You know, I've always <laughs> wanted to go to another country and be in debt. <laughs> well, you'll have the Carmilla Con, which is in October, yes. that I think your schedule is clear for, if you can get that all work. Do you have the passport? 
Yeah, I'm um, I'm going to London. Oh, you're going on the trip. So you'll have your passport. Yeah, of course. Um, because it's in Toronto, so that's why I bring that up. Well, that's the whole point of like I really want to go because it also can be used as me job scouting because that's where I want to end up is Toronto. So get the lay of the land a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. But also, if I graduate, I don't have anything else that I'll have to do in October, so I have right. to go. So I'm debating. I'm gonna I'm gonna sit and watch and see what's going on with it and what mm-hmm. if it seems like they're gonna have vendors. If they have vendors, I'll definitely be more interested in going and setting up with Butch and Sissy items and and selling stuff because you know I do have like Carmilla were some of the first fandom was the very first fandom items that I made. Everything was LGBTQ content before that, but I didn't really. It's it's the show that moved me to make a fandom item. So and I've made a lot of those. Yeah. around the show so I think I could probably do pretty well vending in there but they haven't really put up a ton of information yet on it well um, I don't think so they I, have a lot right now so right right but I mean October's not that far away when you think about that it takes a full year to to do to plan a Clexicon from Clexicon I to will the say next that, one that's very true but there's also the factor of um it's one fandom it's one collective of people that they really need to like talk to you and like plan it out with and it's not as big as a full con but if they don't get it all done quickly because of the deadline, it could be like Firefest two point gay. <laughs> Fire Festival, man, we we sh- that's we can't even get into that. I'll just <laughs> say people watch those Fire Festival documentaries on They're Netflix. They're so and good, <laughs> so good. I just I was obsessed with those things for a few days. Me too. Tiffany hated it. <laughs> Back to the conventions where you're saying you know it's it's just the one fandom and so it's a smaller thing. But if anybody has ever been involved in any sort of say music festival or convention event like this the amount of things that you don't even have any idea in the background that have to go on for this Mm -hmm. to all be pulled off are immense so just the fact that they've gotten this organized and you've got the agreements and got everything set up is a feat in and of itself and then now the 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 legwork starts for it so that's what bothers me when i see so much negativity about cons on social media i agree with that it's that thing you and I say to each other all the time. We can't have anything good. No. Why can't we have good things? No. Well, when we're giving good things, then somehow, some way, somebody's going to find something negative about it. Like, it doesn't matter what it is. You could be handed two bars of chocolate, and then you'll still be I saying, hey, where's my third one? Like yeah. it, or, or this isn't the kind of chocolate I like. And it's so totally, this. it's a different That's the thing that I'm noticing with, like, our current day and age is, like, it used to be we'll take anything we can get and just be happy with it. Yeah. Now people aren't at that place anymore. And I think it's because they've started to be able to expect something greater, which is good that we're moving in a direction that you can do that. But it's also the fact of people are still trying to do nice things and you're ruining that. You're ruining the chances of people still doing nice things in the future or making things better. When you put your time and your effort, and a lot of these people that are doing these conventions, this isn't their full-time job, mm-hmm. folks. They're working full-time jobs. They have families. They have other commitments. They have all the same stuff that you have and that everyone has. And then they're doing this, and it's not a for-profit thing generally because it takes mm-hmm. so much to do these, but they want to be doing um, If you had told me earlier in my life that there would someday be a convention, you know, I, I know, uh, of course I went to conventions and things when I was younger. There's always been comic cons and, you know, stuff like that. But yeah. if you had told me there would be in my lifetime a full queer woman media convention that you could go to and all of the favorite, like, queer identified either roles on television or the actresses that play them, like, all those people would be at a convention where you could go and meet them and talk to them and hang out and get a picture, get an autograph, (laughs) you know, and also then be in amongst your own people. Like, that that Tropicana environment is driving me as much to be so excited about going back to Clutch. I want to go so bad just for that. Like, I don't think it, like... Yes, the the queer people are there because of Clexicon, but, like, if there wasn't a Clexicon and the same group of people were there, I would want to be there. Like, there was yeah. something about it. It was, it's otherworldly because the, the place that, you know, we both live in places that are not super huge in the queer atmosphere, and it was just so nice to, like, live in that for a little bit. That is, like, a it's, real vacation in paradise. Yeah, because you're actually flipping and living for four or five days there, three days for some people, in what 
it feels like to not be the other mm-hmm. to be like in some way everyone else that's around you mm-hmm. and they're that they're whatever your other thing is it's just another one that's in this group and i it that's it's very hard to explain it that's the only way that i can and it doesn't even do it justice so when i see so much negativity because someone doesn't like one aspect of something these things are so new how many new things and first time things are great right out of the gate none i'll give you that none. answer right now none why are we not letting these things go through their growing pains and organically become the best that they can be we have to go in and be so negative and shoot things down because it doesn't fit exactly every parameter of what we want right now but it's never going to get to that if you beat these people down like i said these are these are people who are doing these things and it's a hard work and it's taking away from their lives to do them and the thing that will make them not want to do it is to constantly be bitched at and constantly be told you're not doing it right. Why would anybody want to continue? That's with any convention. That's even some of the biggest ones that we see now today. I mm-hmm. mean, I've I've talked about VidCon before and cuz you know, I love YouTubers. Mm-hmm. But it was a struggle when it first started because immediately there were complaints everywhere about well this person's not here well why didn't you invite this person like but this isn't right constantly and they like had to get to the point where they just had to shut down all that and not pay attention to it and Mm -hmm. it got difficult because you know as it got bigger and got better people would still find ways to nitpick at it and it got to the point where you know hank and john green were the ones that started vidcon they had to leave the company of VidCon because they couldn't take it anymore. So now other people run it, and they and people still come to them, and they're just like, look, we're doing the best we can. So I don't want for these queer conventions, and, like, you know, we've got CarmillaCon starting, and we have Klexicon that's, like, great. We've got Love Fan Fest. We've got so many. I don't want for one person that just continues to one, two, three, like, one person says something, a hundred will then flock to it and that's just how negativity builds and builds and builds and then those things won't even have a chance to get to the point where everyone can be happy and not everyone will get to experience these wonderful things because they think that it's something negative and that's not okay i even read uh, a comment yesterday where someone said because of what you're saying about the first clexicon i never went and i won't go to one and it's like, hey, maybe try experiencing something for yourself. Wow. Yeah. Oh. I would hate for that person to know what they are missing out on. Uh, if they are a queer woman who loves fandoms and media and being around like-minded individuals and they're not going because they heard a complaint about one particular person's interaction at the first one, they're missing out on so much. Well, maybe there's it, a just they're just a person that likes to be unhappy. Yeah, it's like those Yelp reviews where exactly. you like you look in there and you're like, how come like fifty percent of these people love it, fifty percent hate it? Like, what's the deal? Some people here? just like to find the negative in things, and they live in that. And mm-hmm. that for for somebody to say something like that, oh, it drives me crazy. I like again bringing you back to VidCon. I wanted to go. Tiffany had gone twice, two different years, and she loved it. But then she also told me that there were things she hated about it. And if I had sat there and was dwelling on just the bad things she had said. I would have never gone. I would have never gone to California. I would have never met Hannah Hart. I would have never done so many things. Mm-hmm. And it's the same way with, like, uh, when I went to Klexicon. My mm-hmm. parents were talking about how Las Vegas is just all this stuff, and it's great, but it's just so busy, and I don't know if you're going to really enjoy it because you won't get to do everything and see everything. And if I had listened to the way that my parents, like, talked about it, then I would have been overwhelmed and not gone. So you, yeah. you just have to like realize what you yourself truly want what you want to do what you want to experience and you need to go for it because like listening to anybody else and tell having them tell you their experiences does not say what's going to happen with you could be great it could be bad but you could figure that out yourself there's nothing that would after going to klexcon there's nothing short of you know 
a catastrophe that would have kept me from going this year. <laughs> we are we are already planning out our big double booth. London is a catastrophe. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> We've got friends going with us this time because we were like we're really slammed the whole mm-hmm. last time, and I was like, I want to be out talking to people and and you know not be like locked into this like sales mode there. Mm-hmm. And I, I really want to like experience the whole thing. The only part that I'm really hating about Questcon is that you're not going to be there. I'm really sad about it. You know I am. That's okay. Instead, I'll be doing schoolwork. But you can travel internationally, which True. is, I went to London when I was in high school and went all through Europe, and I would, I'm so glad that my parents sent me, and it's been a great experience. I don't know when I'll ever get to go back as an adult, but I did enjoy yep. it. And I know you're going to have a good time, and it, it's sad that you're going to miss that, but you're going to, you know, it's not, it's not going anywhere, I hope. So hopefully next year, I'll be there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, all right. you know, money well, dwelling. Well, we've been all over the map today. We've done movies, TV, we've done conventions. Um, I know you've had a hard day at work and I've got a million things going on so mm-hmm. we're gonna wrap this up but uh, I'm gonna rewatch some shows I want you to watch Sex Education so we can talk about it because I okay. feel like you're going to love it and especially when you get in and, and realize what's going on with it so any listeners uh, we're gonna talk about that for sure next time is probably gonna be the main thing we talk about and we're going to um get back together again and Mm -hmm. talk about all the uh, gay stuff in everything that we're watching so i'm gonna say goodbye goodbye